0: Understand what you're saying, and most of all that, that um, we just recognize that you want to talk to us and you want to touch the areas of our life that are in most, most in need. So would you help us to hear what you are saying, help us to know what we're to do with it. We th- I just thank you that, that you continue to open our eyes as we look at your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to kind of jump right in. We've been looking at uh, um, the story of Jesus and kind of putting the lenses on of uh, until Christ is formed in you. It's that, that idea as we receive Christ, we have him, but what are we gonna, what's going to happen with that? And he's there, but are we going to allow him to grow in us? Is he gonna, are we going to allow him to be formed in us where we become less and he becomes greater, where we die to ourselves and he comes to life in us, all right? And so as we do today, we're going to look at this story found in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read this, verses 17 through 26. Now, I, what I want to challenge you with is, you know, oftentimes we, we come to a story that maybe we're familiar with, and this is one of those stories for me that I was very familiar with, and I've heard sermons about this story, and from time to time, um, I've had these sermons that just kind of stick with me, you know, and, I, and, and if they've had an impact on me, I can remember that as I read the story, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that sermon. And that was the, th- that was the point that, that, the, that the preacher brought out. So this is one of those stories for me that I had to work a little bit to make sure, okay, so what, are, what do we need to hear today? What, God, what are you wanting me to talk about as we look at this story? And, and oftentimes, if, if there's a, a story that the sermon that I heard was good, it's kind of like I have to battle against the, the old sermon to find out, okay, but is that what I'm supposed to say? Because I don't want to just regurgitate somebody else's sermon, right? So enough said. Let's look at the story and see what, uh, see, let's see what, what, what God's wanting to say to us today. Starting at verse 17 of Luke chapter five, it says this. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he was lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. All right, this is the story of Jesus given to us for our growth, for our understanding to, to know him better. So the sermon that I had kind of gravitated towards that when I read this story is, is, is the, the faith of the friends, that the friends went to that great effort to bring their friend to Jesus. And the idea was, is, you know, the question was asked is, is, do you have that kind of desire? What are you willing to do to bring your friends to Jesus. These guys were willing to tear open a roof, okay? Um, I would hope no one would do that to my house, but, you know, um, it's a a good picture of, and and we can ask ourselves that question, but unfortunately, that's not the direction I get to go today, and I don't want to say unfortunately. That was just a lot easier than where I I felt like God was leading me. I actually had to spend some time thinking, which is a lot of work. So, Anyway, uh, you know, it is a good challenge. It is a good question to ask. What, how committed and how willing are you to bring your friends to Jesus, all right? So as we look at this story, though, as we kind of develop it, here's what I want us to do. Let's just take a few things that, that are points to note, okay? Uh, it's really good for us as we, as we study a passage of Scripture, especially a story, let's just take some things that we notice, okay? And, and so I, I, since I'm leading the discussion... <laughs> That's, I guess it's not a discussion, since I'm leading the sermon, because uh, that means you don't get to talk, right? But uh, as, I'm, as I'm leading it, I get to pick the things. So let me tell you this, that first of all, this story can be found in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 2, and Luke chapter 5. So we can, we can get three different perspectives on this happening, this story. So three different people are telling, telling the story. Here's what's really interesting. If you were to go to Matthew chapter nine, Mark chapter two, and Luke chapter five, and compare them, you're gonna find that there is very little difference. I mean, minimal difference, which doesn't always happen when you compare three different authors to a story of Jesus's life. It's fascinating to me that how similar they are, okay? The next thing I notice as I read through the story is, is, is my brain kind of filled in some blanks here. When I, when I just kind of read it casually, what, I know, what I, how I filled it in was this, that um, I kind of pictured that the crowd was from all over, that the crowd was from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. But if you look, you might notice that's not what Luke tells us. Luke tells us that the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, they are from Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. I that might not seem like a big deal to you, right? But here's what we need to understand. The news about Jesus is getting out. You go back just a couple of chapters, and some of the Pharisees, uh, they, they approached John the Baptist because they were wondering, is this the guy the Messiah, all right? And John tells them, I'm not, I'm not him, but he's around here, okay? And so they're, they are aware, and they've been looking. That's part of what Pharisees were doing, was watching for the Messiah, The Pharisees kind of took it upon themselves, possibly upon themselves, to to kind of be the watchdogs. In other words, they're watching for the Messiah, but they're also making sure that that, um, a good Jewish direction, that they were going to follow Scripture. They became very, very strict at following Scripture. And so as they went throughout their lives, they were keeping an eye on people. They were watchdogs. So, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading the Bible and I run across the, a Pharisee, it's not usually a good thing, okay? I'm usually like, oh, those guys are jerks, and that's what my, that's what my head thinks, right? I mean, I just I read along, and I'm like, oh, those guys, I, they're always out to get Jesus. Well, John the Baptist even called them a brood of vipers. That can't be good, right? It's not a term I use very often, if ever, but... Uh, but as I, so as I read the story, it's like I, all of a sudden I'm like, ah, those guys, they're just looking to trap Jesus. But if we look at the story, that isn't really what's going on here. They weren't talking amongst themselves. They weren't scheming. All it says was they began to think. There was something that Jesus said that they were like, whoa, wait a minute. It captured their attention. And you know what? You know what watchdogs do when something captures their attention? They pay attention, right? And they do get ready for attacking. But it doesn't mean that we need to enter this and, and get distracted by the Pharisees. They weren't hostile in our story here. They were possibly curious. They were looking for the Messiah. They were excited. So, so don't let them distract us from the story. The next thing I think we need to understand or, or recognize is this, that Jesus responded to their faith, the, the friend's faith, right? Did you catch that? Or did you just read right over that? Jesus responded to their faith. So somehow, somewhere along the way, the, friends, the faith of the friends got the response of Jesus, Every version of this story says Jesus noticed, Jesus saw their faith, and he responded. It's an interesting thing to notice. Another thing that I think is good to notice is that the the Pharisees, they were uptight at Jesus' words, but they were the ones that understood the depth. Of the statement that Jesus just made. Okay? In that crowd. Jesus made a statement. And they understood. A deeper level. Than the rest of the crowd did. That's why they began to say. What? Okay? My question as I think about that is. What about you? I mean, do you understand the depth of that statement? Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees said, whoa, that is a big statement. In fact, that's such a big statement, that's only a statement that God actually can make. Do you understand the depth of that statement? See, as I read through it, I think what I recognize is this. Um, I tend to kind of see things through the cross. I don't know if I can explain this very well, but but somehow that idea of forgiveness, that fact, not an idea, that fact of forgiveness, I'm afraid to admit this to you, but I've kind of mellowed it, softened it. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Yeah, I'm forgiven, sure. We just kind of brush it off. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, I blew it again. Would you forgive me? I have made it this tiny little thing. That's kind of convicting. When I make it a tiny little thing, all of a sudden I think, oh, well, that's, It's not a really big deal. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for it. But I mean, you know. He forgives everybody that asks. So Jesus said these words. Your sins are forgiven. And the man's still lying there. So let me ask you a few questions. Had his sins been forgiven? Okay? yeah. So yeah, it's not a trick question, right? Yeah, they had been. Okay? Yep, Jesus said your sins are forgiven. Guess what? His sins are forgiven. Okay? Was he healed? Ooh, that's a trickier question, wasn't it? Isn't it? See, the story goes, Jesus goes, your sins are forgiven, and the Pharisees are like, whoa, wait a minute. And then he goes to the Pharisees. Meanwhile, the guy's still laying there. So then I begin to ask, wonder if, wonder if, you know, did his legs start to tingle? Did he, did he lay there and go, hmm, I think I can move my toes. We don't get that part of the story. Maybe one day we'll get asked the guy, right? Then Jesus turns to him and he says, get up. Take up your mat and walk. He doesn't say, listen, do you hear how the story goes? He doesn't say, I heal you. He doesn't say, be healed. He doesn't say, legs come to life. He said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, you're still laying here? Get up. Go. Seems to me the healing had taken place when Jesus forgave his sins. The man was healed when he was forgiven. That's how I read the story. What I also notice in the story is is that Jesus chose his words intentionally. The guy comes lower gets lowered down through the roof he, looks at, he look, must look up at, his friend, at the guy's friends, right? And he sees their faith, and he looks back down at the guy, and he says, how am I going to heal this guy today? I mean, one time, I'm going I'm I'm to uh, spit in the ground, make some dirt, and I'm going to put it on the guy, this blind guy's eyes, right? Right? I'm gonna tell him to go wash and then go see the priest. There's one time I'm gonna heal a blind guy and, and he's gonna open his eyes and he sees he's going to, he's gonna see trees, like people like trees, and then I'm gonna readjust his vision, you know, like number one or number two. Number one? Which one is better, right? So I, mean, I, I don't know that Jesus is doing this, but he did choose his words intentionally. Your sins are forgiven. It was blatant. He could have skipped right over that. He could have seen the guy laying there. And he goes, "Hey, get up. You can go home now." But he didn't. He chose to say, "Your your sins are forgiven." And then he says this to the Pharisees, "But I want you to know. This is a significant statement here." Okay. I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now because we have lightened what it means to, for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven, all of a sudden this statement may not mean a whole lot to us. This is a powerful statement. Don't miss that he said this on purpose. And we're going to come back to that, Okay? But just recognize it; he's got a plan here. And it's not just about healing this guy. Because he wants them to know that the Son of Man has the authority to, on earth to forgive sins. And the last thing I think we, we want to see in the story as we read it is this. Don't miss the amazing part of the story. The man was healed. Listen if okay so when i grew up there was this lady who um who who's a um a painter who was a speaker and she was a paraplegic okay johnny erickson taught us i mean you've heard of her right she was she was young and she she went diving into a lake and she hit a stump and broke her neck and and she's been paralyzed ever since she paints with her mouth i mean with a well, not with her mouth, but she puts a. It's not part of the story. Anyway, uh, if she were to get up one day and walk, you know what? I think a lot of people would be amazed. I mean, I would be. Because it just doesn't happen. I mean, doctors are getting to be pretty good, but there's still some things they can't do. This is an awesome story. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Get up. And he does. Part of me feels guilty when I just shrug my shoulders and go, huh. Jesus has the authority on earth to forgive sins to say get up and walk and guess what everyone did you catch that everyone was amazed you know who that included right the pharisees and what did they do they praised god every one of them did okay now let's shift gears let's put that lens on and say okay so what do we see christ being formed in me what what So it's a really good story and there's some special things in it that we can go, wow. But what what needs to happen or what does God want to do? What does Jesus want to do in me as he is growing in me and as I'm getting rid of myself? As I ask that question, what I see in this is there's a question that Jesus asks that has always kind of bothered me because I don't really even understand his answer. Because he doesn't really answer it does anyone notice this he goes which is easier which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or your sins are forgiven or get up and walk he never really answers it so i'm sitting there going "Wow, well, i don't know which one's easier to say so I look at what scholars have written, and most of the scholars said, well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. And here the reasoning is, is because there doesn't have to be outside proof. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, great. Well, what does that well, we prove it, right? How do you prove that? So your sins are forgiven seems like an easier thing to say. Because if he says, get up and walk, where's the proof? It demands it. Well, that makes sense. And yet. There's something about that statement that I'm like, well, wait a minute. I actually don't... I'm not sure that that's right either. Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? I want us to ask ourselves, what do I think? Now, let's consider this for a minute. Consider the crowd. Now... From time to time, we have to kind of try to put ourselves in Jesus' shoes. Recognize he is fully man. So there are some emotions. There is some growing that he's doing here. And, and yet, we don't want to think that just because we think this way, this is the way Jesus thinks. However, I want us to at least survey what's going on here. Number one is, he knows the crowd. We have Pharisees, not only from Galilee, which was lower class Israel, okay? Judea, well, we're moving up middle class here. Jerusalem, upper class, the uppity-ups are in the crowd, and it is a big crowd, and they're from all over the place. And Jesus chooses his words, and he says, your sins are forgiven. See, he could have skipped that altogether, and it would have been incredibly easy For Jesus to just say, get up and go. But instead, knowing the crowd that he's in front of, he says, your sins are forgiven. Yep, some people are going to have a problem with that. There are some Sundays, there are things I don't want to say up here, okay? Usually it's about how I fail, all right? But anyway, um, <laughs> so I look at this story and I go, man, sometimes considering the crowd, there weren't always the friendly ones. I went down and preached in Kamii at Kevin's church. And Kevin was our youth pastor a couple years back. And Anyway, um, uh, and getting up there, I, it is unsettling to stand in front of a new crowd. You guys, pfft no i'm just kidding i get nervous every week but them i was really nervous about because it was a totally different crowd right now we got this jesus is standing in front of a crowd of pharisees and if we think he wasn't at all affected by his surroundings i think we've taken his humanness out so he takes this he stands in front of this crowd and he makes the harder statement, I think. Now let's add to it here this. Um, in those days, most of the time they thought, or they believed that if you were paralyzed, if you had leprosy, if you were blind, if you had any issue disease-wise, it was probably because of sin. OK? Either you sinned or your parents sinned or your grandparents sinned or someone down down the line, all right? It's not always the case. In fact, what we see is there's several times in Scripture where it's not the case. Job would be a prime example if you go clear back to Job. Job has three friends. Job is sitting there, and his life is just a disaster now. He has lost pretty much everything except for his nagging wife and um she was she was nagging okay So well, anyway um his friends his good friends show up and they're like well you obviously have done something you deserve this and job goes i didn't and they go no you did and three of them take turns accusing him that something you've done something to deserve this you've done something to show that, you know, that, that, that you've sinned. And he goes, No. And they come at him again. But we know a part of the story. We know that that actually isn't what happened. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, God has a plan. We see a story that Jesus is, this, this uh, blind man is brought before Jesus and they ask him, It's a weird thing, right? They 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 bring this blind guy and they say, Hey, who sinned? This guy or his parents? And Jesus goes, Neither. This is for the glory of God. That didn't make sense most of the time to them. So their perspective, this guy comes lowered lowered through the through the ceiling, and here he is, and he is a picture of sin. Because he is paralyzed. Crowds sitting around him, and all they're thinking the Pharisees are going to go. This guy is riddled with sin. He must have done something really bad. Okay? So for Jesus to say, Your sins are forgiven. Had a major, it was significant. Because what he was saying is, is that thing that is causing you to lay here? I'm taking it away. That doesn't sound easy. That sounds more like the hard way to go about it. I'm, that's just my perspective, okay? Maybe the other scholars are right that it's, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. It just doesn't seem like it to me. To add to it, just pause for a moment. Uh, this is a little morbid, but just think of some of your deepest hurts. Okay? The, those people that have hurt you the most. How easy is it to forgive them? Is it a breeze? Ah, no, no big thing. See, I've never experienced it that way. I've experienced it. It takes me a while to get to that place where I say, I choose to forgive that person. And guess what? Next day, I'm like, oh, God. and I'm saying, I choose to forgive that person, right? And the next day, I'm like, oh, and pretty soon maybe a week might go by, and then I can say it. And it's like, it's work. I think because God continually is forgiving us, that maybe we've just made it into this, ah, it's easy. It is easy to think that it, oh, it's simple. Your sins are forgiven. That is that's simple compared to get up and walk. Man, I don't agree with that idea. It costs Jesus everything. That doesn't sound easy. Luke tells us the story this way. I don't I don't I didn't go back to the Greek, but I just think it's interesting in the English, "Get up and walk." Four syllables. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, it's five syllables. It's harder to say your sins are forgiven, right? All the arrows in my book point towards it's harder to say your sins are forgiven. With that in mind, I kind of think it's easier to just say, get up and walk. But Truthfully, both are impossible without God, okay? Because both need supernatural intervention. See, forgiveness is a God thing, not a people thing. We don't have it in us. It is not something that comes naturally to us. It is a God thing. When we receive Jesus, he says those words to us. Your sins are forgiven. And as he's formed in you, as he's formed in me, it's like he comes to these areas in my life and he uncovers those places where I'm, well, I'm paralyzed. Where sin has, has held me down and he keeps saying to me, Your sins are forgiven. Those have not been easy words. If you think those are easy words, you don't understand the sacrifice. In fact, maybe it doesn't even seem like much of a sacrifice at all. Our sin paralyzes us. And we need his continued forgiveness. And it cost him everything to offer it. Christians, we don't have to be paralyzed. Rise up. Take your mat and go. That's what he tells them. Rise up. Get up. Take your mat and go. That's what he tells us. It's interesting, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three tell us that Jesus tells the guy, get up, take your mat, and go. is that weird? Why did he include that? Take your mat and go. I mean, so I paused for a moment and I thought about that. Is it possible that Jesus is just being you know, conscientious Well, we're going to leave here, and I don't want us to leave this place a mess, right? Hey, crowd, leave it better than you found it. I mean, the man has been laying on a mat for who knows how long. He gets to walk, and now he has to carry his mat. Hey, 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 you don't get to walk out of here without that mat. Take it. I wonder... Why did Jesus add that? Luke tells us, and it's not just a passing statement. Did you catch it? The next thing we're told? Do we just read right over that? So the man got up, he picked up his mat, he picked up the thing he was lying on and left. It's like we're supposed to notice. This, this mat is an object in the story what does that mean what's the mat man that one took me uh, nobody had anything on that for me i just had to sit there and ask god to say something i thought what what would that guy thought of that mat i don't know this you're probably thinking what do you do all day right you think about <laughs> these weird things i don't think i have a lot of free time on my hands but i had i'm thinking you know I wonder, so the end of that night, you know, he gets home and he drags his mat into the house and it's time to go to bed. Where did he lay down? Probably on the mat, mat, huh? Would you want to? Would Would you want to lay back down on the thing that you were stuck to? And Jesus says, Take it. No, I don't want to take it. Yeah, I heard somebody say, burn it, right? Yeah, let's get rid of that thing. We probably need to remember where we've come from. We don't get to walk away from our sin without scars. Wouldn't it be great, and most of us try this, wouldn't it be great when we're convicted of sin that we could just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to tell anybody about it now. Let's just move on. Let's just bury it back there. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's leave our skeletons back there. You know we misuse the statement that Paul makes that we forgetting what is behind, I press forward. Right? That means we just we don't have to talk about it now because that's back there. And yet Jesus goes, "Take up your mat." As I listened for what the mat represented for me, it was this picture of consequences of our sin wouldn't it be great wouldn't be great if when we chose to sin and and then we go to god and say lord would you just please forgive me and please don't let the consequences of all those dumb decisions catch up to me right i mean i went out and i i spent a bunch of money on my credit card lord please forgive me what the debt is still there sin still has side effects. The hurt that we cause doesn't just go away. Forgiveness doesn't mean the consequences disappear. His forgiveness heals. But it doesn't shield us from the chain of events that we started in motion. The great news is, though, as we walk through those consequences, rather than run from them, rather than try to leave them back there, as we walk through them, he walks with us. As I process Christ being formed in me, I recognize the depth of those words, your sins are forgiven. I recognize that as as he is formed in me, it doesn't mean I get to ignore the consequences. It doesn't mean that I get to escape the consequences. It means we're going to go through this and he's going to walk with me through it. And that's that's part of his growth in me, is facing up to the decisions that I've made that were wrong. And the next piece, that we are being like Christ when we forgive others. As I look at this story and, and, and I see this, as I say, well, what, what does this mean? As Christ is formed in me, we are being like Christ when we forgive others. Remember what I said? Forgiveness is a God thing, not a, not a people thing. So when we forgive, it's, it's allowing Christ to grow in us. When we choose not to forgive, we are containing his growth in us. Because you know what Jesus does? Jesus forgives. It's part of who he is. It's part of what he does. And so as he grows in us, then forgiveness is one of those things that's going to start happening through us. We worry about when when, when people hurt us and when people sin against us, we I'm making an assumption here, okay? Maybe I'm wrong. The thought process that goes through my head is, if I forgive them, they're getting away with it. Right? I mean, who's going to call them on it? It's my job to make sure they pay for what they've done. But if forgiveness is Christ-like, then when I'm not forgiving, I'm stunting his development in me. We are the main beneficiary of being forgiving. When we are forgiving, we're the ones that are benefiting because we're allowing Christ to grow and, and, and be formed in us. That is a blessing. That is a benefit. Let God deal with them. Let Him be formed in you. That's a twist, isn't it? As Christ is formed in you, forgiveness will be an action that we should expect to be dispensing. Now let me offer some scriptural support. It's found in John chapter 20. Jesus has, been, has, has died, has been resurrected, and he comes back, and this is what we're told. Well, On the evening, John chapter 20, 19 through 23 says this, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you, which means they're freaking out and they need to calm down, right? Okay. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, hang on to that thought. Did you hear that? As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So just like the Father sent Jesus, and what Jesus did is what Jesus is sending us to do. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Quite honestly, that's where I've stopped. That's usually where I pause. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the story. When Jesus, you know, when they get the Holy Spirit. Has anyone read on yet? Did anyone realize that those, these are the next words to this? Receive the Holy Spirit. And the very next words that, are, that Jesus says to them, now, if you forgive anyone's sins, Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Now, if you forgive, where's the authority? It's been on us. So that you know the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins on earth. I'm sending you. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to do this. So here you go. Now. Go. Forgive. I don't think I've ever finished that story. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This is what he wants us to know. And as he's formed in you, the authority is given to you, to us. The responsibility, the charge, the calling. Guess what? If you're sitting there and you think, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven, excellent Because that's what God's called you to say. But if you're sitting there going, whoa, wait a minute. You're along with me on that road, okay? I'm like, oh, man. But I want him formed in me. And I want him formed in you. And if we're going to let him be formed in us, then we have to Take this seriously. It's not something we can do on our own because it's a God thing. It's not a people thing. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what He wants us to do. So let me let me paraphrase. Where are you paralyzed? Because He wants to set you free. What consequences have you been wanting to avoid? Because he wants you to take up your mat and go. Who should you forgive? I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit has already talked to you about one of those, or all of them, okay? So let's take a moment and Challenge is you can walk out of here and not do anything with it. Or you can decide right now. I choose to forgive that person. I choose to face the consequences of my sin. I receive forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be formed in us, not just a little bit, that you would be busting at the seams, we would see those places in our life that we, that we are being challenged to allow you to be Lord. we would stop holding you back in us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.